Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Wednesday, October 25th. It is two minutes past 10 p.m. Eastern. And of course, the sick podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America. Driven to be different. A shout out to Mike Cinquino, David Grassi, and especially Sean Gerard, one of my best friends in the entire world. Sean Gerard, who told me that he loves it when I say his name because his wife gets all excited about the project and happy wife, happy life. And what a friend wouldn't do for another friend. Sean Gerard, Sean Gerard, Sean Gerard, Sean Gerard, Sean Gerard. And a special shout out, of course, to these guys. Brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. Last week on Saturday between 2 p.m. and around 4.30 p.m., I was at the IGA Extra on Boulevard de la Rancid in Laval, and there was some sampling of La Bitta TV that was going on. I had a chance to meet so many great people, sports fans, Habs fans, viewers of the sick podcast and we had a great chat and they left with some beer it made everyone happy and of course brought to you in part as well by playground over 600 machines poker tournaments and playground casino games daily promotions and unmatched customer service why go anywhere else located just over the mercia bridge only minutes from downtown montreal playground and by the way i will be at playground tomorrow morning I should be there close to noon, and I'm going to stick around till about 4 p.m. So if you're going to be at Playground tomorrow, the WPT tournament is going on over the next several days. I'm going to be there, and you know what? If all goes well, I may be even podcasting from Playground tomorrow afternoon. I'm waiting for Agnello to send me the text to give me the green light that I'm going to do so. And if I do, I'll tell you exactly when I'll be doing it and what I'll be talking about but I do know that I will be there tomorrow afternoon between noon and 4 p.m. Sammy at Master Control just sent me a text message, and he says, confirmed. Confirmed that we'll be there and confirmed that I'll be podcasting. As you know, I host two podcasts for Sick Media, 
The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero is an all-Montreal Canadians podcast that goes Monday to Friday at 10 p.m. for at least one hour. And there's another podcast that I host, which is the Sick Podcast, CF Montreal Talk. And their end of the season happened on Saturday. They had their year-end post-mortem yesterday. And I've yet to comment on that. And I've yet to comment on another situation which made it the rounds of social media today. And I've commented a little bit, but tomorrow I might go into a little bit more detail and I might even be upset. I'll talk about that tomorrow. It looks like that podcast, Sammy, is 2 o'clock confirmed. Is 2 o'clock confirmed? There's a pretty good chance. Yes, it is, he says. All right, so that podcast, CF Montreal Talk, will go live tomorrow, 2 p.m., from playground without further ado he's a regular collaborator on mondays but because the montreal canadians were in buffalo on monday and he had to work the game he sent me a text message and he said i can't make it on monday is there any way i can make it on wednesday so i text craig button who's a regular on wednesday and i said craig by chance are you working on monday night he said no i'm not i said will you be watching the montreal canadians game he said naturally i said Would you change your Wednesday for Monday this week? He said, sure thing. I said, great, because I want to get Eric Engels on this week as well. So Craig did Monday, and Eric Engels, the Sportsnet at Sportsnet.ca, is here tonight on this Wednesday evening. Eric, how are you? Finalmente. Finalmente. What's going on, my man? I'm good, man. I see you're brushing up on your Italian. (laughs) I got a new webcam. Hey, you know what? I can tell you look better. Carabaniello. Oh, is that right? It's a superstar. Oh, yes, yes, he definitely is. He doesn't pay me like one, but he definitely is in his own mind. You give him too much shit. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, You know, uh, anyway, hopefully he's going to come around one day. I mean, uh, you know, how does one live nowadays with 30000 a month? I don't know how I'm doing it, but I've been able to pull it off. All right, okay, and if you believe that. All right, okay, let's, let's be serious now. Let's be serious. The Canadians last night, lost and lost convincingly. The fan base, some of them are pretty upset about it. <clears throat> I don't know what they would expect. We've repeated they're in a rebuild, but because I think we said that they were about ready to turn the corner here and take the next step, maybe their expectations were too high. Others are realistic and they realize, okay, you're going up against the better team and you're decimated with injuries and you're playing your second game in as many nights with travel included, going up against the team that the last time they played was Friday night, and they've been waiting for you. Your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are those last couple of factors were probably the biggest ones, and maybe people were upset about it if they were actually upset about it because the Canadians have raised the level of expectation through the first five games of the season the way they played. Um, look, you know, I wrote about this last night at sportscent.ca, and my take on the game was pretty simple. Um, if you're going to play in that situation where it's three games and four nights and you're on the second half of back-to-back, and it was a pretty emotional, competitive game against Buffalo that the Canadians ended up pulling out and winning, and they're playing against a team that is the best counterattacking team in the NHL, in my opinion, and one of the fastest teams, if not the fastest team in the NHL. I think Vegas may not hit the same speeds that New Jersey does, but probably plays as fast. Uh, if not faster, 
But the point is, New Jersey's up there in terms of speed and the way they play. If you're going to be in that situation, and this is where Montreal's kind of youth showed, you have to play a much simpler style of game than the one they played. And I, I think there's there there's a lesson in there for them because everything they're doing from a five-on-five perspective and the way they build their game is based on possession and becoming a better possession team. And I think we're seeing so many signs of growth in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I asked Marty saying, we like when you're building towards that, but you're in this type of situation where you're playing back to back against the rest of the team and a fast team and a dangerous team on the counterattack like New Jersey, at a certain point, you have to do you, do you not have to balance that desire to possess the puck all the time with just making more simple plays and not coughing up the puck? They were credited, Tony, with 20 giveaways in the game, and that mm-hmm. is the worst kept stat in hockey it is always conservatively kept i counted at least 30 they had matheson with four last night and matt he scored a gorgeous goal and he competed hard amazing uh, but he might have had eight giveaways in the game and you know you're not going to beat the new jersey devils handing them the puck like uh marty's quote was yeah sometimes you got you got to be willing to punt uh, or you got to know when to punt the ball or something like that. Yeah. I, I wrote it up as, yeah, that's better than giving it to Jack Hughes and watching him stuff it down your throat. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happened last night. That's a good one, by the way. Uh, now, Vinny Pioli says via YouTube Live, and he's not the only one to say this, and it's not the first time that I've heard this today. Marty St. Louis should have never started Caden Primo. And to that, you say what? Uh, I don't have an issue with him starting Kaden Primo at all, actually. And I like Marty's answer before the game because I asked him why, you know, what, what is, what is this, how would you qualify this test for Kaden Primo? And he said, I think it's a great opportunity. And he's right. You know, like if that was a lose, lose situation for any goaltender that was going to be in the net for Montreal, it could have been Montambo, it could have been Allen, it yeah. could have been Primo, it doesn't really matter. I don't think either of the other two goalies would have given them a better chance to win the game than Primo did last night. I think you totally played, agree. Totally played, agree. Played very well. On the flip side of it, this kid has been waiting to play. He has been patient. He has acted like a total consummate professional, and he gets this opportunity. and And against his hometown team, essentially, yes, his father grew up. Uh, while he was growing up, he was playing for the Philadelphia Flyers. But Caden grew up in New Jersey. Uh, just you know, just on the border of Philadelphia, where they used to skate in Voorhees, uh, the Flyers did at their practice facility, and like what an opportunity to to make the difference, to be the guy. And you know what? Yeah, I can't take anything away from him. I think he did. You know, he made he saved a couple of goals to keep them in the game after they had a good start. Yeah, um, you know, he criticized himself after the game, saying you know when he looks back at the goals, the timing of them really is tough for him to digest, but that's another good sign of being a good pro. You know, you're, you yeah. lose the game, you're going to look at where it went wrong and try to be better the next time. And I, the kid is a great kid and yeah. I, don't, I don't have any issue with saying Louis putting him in that spot. Um, here's, here's a challenge. Here's an opportunity. Let's see what you do with it. And I think he handled himself well. All right. Morant on YouTube live begs to differ with your opinion that Caden Primo was solid last night. But I'm going to say this, and Morantz also says, don't mess with what works. Come on. Morantz, you also have to understand, everyone knows that a strategy that you could adopt is to keep playing the hot hand. Yes, you can. 
if you have days off in between and you have a lot of rest, the law of physics comes into play here, not to mention the Canadians are carrying three goalies right now. Jake Allen played Saturday night at home versus the Washington Capitals. They won and played well. A couple of nights later, and they traveled the next day, on Sunday night, they traveled to Buffalo. On Monday, they played in Buffalo, and Jake Allen played again, and he won, and he played well. After the game in Buffalo, they're traveling back to Montreal to go up against the New Jersey Devils. Two games and two nights travel included. Three games and four nights travel included. Jake Allen was not going to play that game, Eric. Forget about the goaltending thing. It doesn't even matter. If, if Dominic Hasek in his prime had played that game, he would have lost it because the Canadians gave the puck away 20 times by their by the NHL's count. By mine, it was at least 30. And when you do that against any team you're going to lose, when you do that against the New Jersey Devils and these New Jersey Devils, you are absolutely going to lose. And I, I think, honestly, if they could have cut that number in half, they would have had a really good chance based on what Primo gave them last night. So it's not even about the goaltending. I don't think the goaltending has anything to do with the game last night. Nick Suzuki looked like the Nick Suzuki that we saw last year on Saturday night with two assists, one on the Monaghan goal and the other one on Cole Caulfield's game winner in overtime. Mm -hmm. He was um, less productive on Monday night versus the Buffalo Sabres. And last night versus the New Jersey Devils, he didn't have one of his better games. He struggled. Once again, folks, the context. Going up against a team that hasn't played since Friday. You're playing your three games and four nights, travel included. Going up against a team that at the top two lines at center, you have a franchise player in Jack Hughes. Arguably, arguably the second best player in the world right now. Okay. No, right, no, right now right he's now arguably he's the, best. the best player in the world. Right now he's the best, yes. <laughs> but if, if Connor comes back and he's healthy, you, you know, you could say, you know, he could be the yeah. second best player in the world, right? Yeah. Here's a guy that you can put in the same sentence as Connor McDavid. He's I mean, incredible. You got to be special, right? Um, he's not insulated by Kirby Doc, who could support him at the center ice position because, of course, he has a season ending injury. That's the big missing, one. They're missing their second defenseman. They're missing arguably their third defenseman or their fourth defenseman. They're going up against a better team than theirs. Plus, they're tired. I mean, add it all up. Folks, it's to be expected. I don't want to make excuses for these guys, but at a certain point, we have to be reasonable too. Yeah, but we also have to acknowledge the fact that Suzuki is not playing his best hockey. We know that he's capable of playing a lot better, and you would have liked to have seen him build some momentum from what he did on Saturday because that was the next Suzuki we're used to seeing. And, you know, what I'll say about that is twofold. One, the doc thing is the big one. You know, not having that insulation. And it's no no disrespect to Sean Monaghan. It's no disrespect to Alex Newhook or even Jake Evans because all three of them are playing good hockey. Yeah. Um, but doc and the ability to detract attention from Suzuki's line with the way doc has the ability to play is a huge factor. Um, I don't – I don't think it's going to weigh Suzuki down to the point where he won't regain his his swagger. But his swagger is missing right now a little bit. And and that's normal. That's how confidence works. It takes a great deal of time to strip it away. And then it takes time to build it back up. Yeah. And I think if the power play was clicking a little bit more, that would help with Suzuki's confidence for sure. Yeah. Um, I think he will find it. I think Caulfield needs to find it as well 
I know he has three goals on the season. I don't think we've come close to seeing the best version of Cole Caulfield. I've seen him play a lot better. And I'm not saying this to knock either guy down. Like, if you go talk to those guys, they'll tell you themselves. They know that they can do better and do better as a duo and do better individually. One of the things I love most about Caulfield's game last year as the second four-check uh, guy, as the guy who's, who's second on the puck, after the first four checker goes in, he was so good at getting pucks turned over and creating chances. Um, he's got to get a little tighter to that first four checker and and be a little bit more defensively aware um, because people talk about knocking his defensive game, but his defensive game is very strong in the offensive zone. The way he's able to get pucks turned over as the second four checker. And if he can bring that element back to where it was last year, I think he's going to get a lot more opportunities to shoot the puck. And we know that when he shoots the puck, he's very dangerous. So, I don't think either of them have been bad. Yeah. I don't think they're near at the level that, that I expect to see from them and that I would suggest they expect to see from themselves. All right. So, folks, here's the National Hockey League, right? If you're still going to be hard on the Canadians for losing that game versus the Devils last night, this is the National Hockey League. The Washington Capitals go into Ottawa last week. They get absolutely blown out of the building. They come to Montreal. We realize, hey, they're not the Washington Capitals of four years ago. The Montreal Canadiens beat them by a score of 3-2 to two in overtime. The New Jersey Devils come into the Bell Centre last night, and they totally obliterate the Montreal Canadiens. And you're saying, wow, New Jersey's a powerhouse. Montreal looked terrible. They were exposed. Tonight, New Jersey, two games and two nights, travel included. What do you think happened? They lost 6-4 to that Washington Capital team that one week ago you thought was absolutely terrible. That's what happens when you play two games and two nights, travel included. More often than not, you lose game two. And you know what? I watched the game. And you want to know what New Jersey did that really got them in a lot of trouble? They didn't manage the puck well. And that's a team that plays just the way Montreal wants to play, in possession of the puck a lot of the time, in possession in all three zones, trying to make plays coming out of their own own end instead of just chucking the puck off the glass or chipping it into the neutral zone, winning races, doing the stuff that's a little bit harder to do, that's less fun to do. When you were playing on the second night of a back-to-back, and Washington was doing the same, they lost to Toronto yesterday, you have to play a simplified version of your game. You need a B game. And the teams with real experience, New Jersey is still a young team in this league. The teams with real experience understand that and do it. And uh, I went to bet on Washington beating them tonight. Yeah. But it's not a surprise. Well, Because of that, they're an older team. To and they know, the they know how to play in that situation. I would, and I don't know how many times I'd win here, but I would think that this, the stats support this. If I were a betting man, I would bet on a team that's playing a team playing their second game in as many nights when that team won the night before. So New Jersey's playing their second game in as many nights. They won the night before. I would bet on Washington. The Canadians were playing their second game in as many nights versus the Devils last night after winning the night before against Buffalo, I would have bet on Jersey. That's the way I would approach my betting if I was a betting man. But then again, you know, I'm not a full-time handicapper. I'm just a full-time podcaster. All right, <laughs> Michael Matheson. That's what, that's I'm ready to say that's the Montreal Canadiens' goal of the year. <laughs> and we still have, you know, 70-odd uh, games to play left in the regular season. It was a thing of beauty. The Canadians are on the power play. Matheson picks up the puck behind his net. He's going slowly through the neutral zone. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. 
you would think that he's going to drop the puck back on the power play the way the Canadians have done all season that hasn't been overly effective, and the other teams see them coming from a mile away. So now the other teams are studying the tape. This is what the Canadians do. So what am I going to do? I'm going to cheat the other way to see if I can block off that pass or cut off that pass. Matheson reads the entire situation and says, okay, they're trying to cut off the pass. Let me let me play with them here a little bit. He's playing a little bit of game of posse, and then, boom, he takes off. He's off to the races. He leaves a guy in his dust. He goes to the net. That's the goal of the year for the Montreal Canadiens, and there's, you know, 75 or whatever games left. That was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. We might not see a nicer one. We might not see a nicer save than the save that Primo made on uh, on Palat. Um, that goal, Mike Matheson's game last night told you exactly everything you want to know about him as a player, and I'm going to explain it. That play, and I, I, there's a caveat here. He's playing 26 minutes a game and playing yeah. back-to-back, and it's yeah. going to be hard to do this. But when Mike Matheson keeps his feet moving, he's an incredibly dangerous player. And when he doesn't keep his feet moving, he's also an incredibly dangerous player. You got me? Yep. When he keeps his feet moving, he is dangerous to the opposition. When he doesn't keep his feet moving, he's dangerous to his own team because he has the ability to dominate the game, and we've seen it. You know, you, you look at his year last year, once he got healthy and on a roll, he was dominant, and the way he was dominant was because he was moving his feet at all times. He wasn't waiting around looking for a pass to make out of his own end. He was moving his feet and creating the play and finding the passes because – he was in better positions to make them. But when he gets stuck a little bit and he starts looking around, he makes passes that don't end up in the right places and it ends yeah. up coming back the other way. And he ends up having to defend more than he should want to in a game. And it costs him and it costs him a lot because he's got to play 25, 26 minutes a game on this team. And, and that's a really, it doesn't matter if you have iron lungs yeah, Superman speed. Uh, that's going to catch up with you. And I, I'm giving him giving him a pass in last night's game because honestly, you're playing back to back with travel against a rested team, and you played 26 minutes the night before, and it, it's going to catch up to you. Yeah, that goal that he scored. He he goes from second gear to fourth gear, double clutching, and just boom, he's gone. Amazing. But the fact that he couldn't kind of sustain that level last night really got him into a lot of trouble. Like I said, yeah. he was credited with four giveaways. Yeah, I, I, saw it. I think he had eight. I'd count two suicide passes to Gallagher's yeah. quick turnovers going the other way. Yeah, saw it. And it just comes from that. And and Mike knows. Mike knows what the strength of his game is, and he knows when he's on top of it. And when he's on top of it, he's in perpetual motion and just making things happen instead of waiting for them to happen. And, and we're going to see that Mike Matheson more often than not. Yeah. But that wasn't the guy we saw last night, except for that goal. Out of all the players in the National Hockey League, from a skating perspective, and this speaking simply stylistically of what I like to see in a player's stride and what I like to see, like, I don't think he skates. He glides. He's he's elite. He's effortless. He's top 10 in the category in the league. Like, yeah, no I, 
I, I was going to say that he's in my top 10 of players that I most enjoy watching to skate. And I'm telling you, I think that guy is worth the price of admission. I think Mike Matheson is highly underrated. And to think, to think that there were some that didn't like that deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mike Matheson traded to the Canadians, and Jeff Petrie traded to the Penguins. There were some who didn't like it. And I'd like to say that, A, you can check the tape, and, B, you can check social media. Let me do my Barry Horowitz here back in the days of the WWF and give myself a pat on the back. I love that trade from the beginning. Barry Horowitz, what a recall. Remember that one, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. remember that Barry guy. Horowitz. Once you did that, once you did the pat on the back, thing, yeah. then then it then it I figured it out. Yeah, like uh, who the hell didn't like that trade the day that it was made? I mean, he was he'd come off years in Pittsburgh where he finally looked like the guy people thought he'd be when he was drafted. Um the thing that I saw from Mike Matheson last year was he went from He's the number one defenseman on the Canadians by default to he's a legitimate number one defenseman if he plays the way he played last year. He hasn't hasn't found that level consistently yet this year, but it's going to come because he is that good. He has that ability, and I think he knows how to unlock it. We were just talking about it a few minutes ago about moving his feet, being in perpetual motion, uh, reminding himself to do it, but it's it's – it's hard at the beginning of the year, and especially when you're being taxed the way he was. He's gone from, oh, he's played four games in two weeks, and it's hard to get rhythm, to, oh, all of a sudden you're playing back-to-back in four games and six nights and three games and four nights. He'll find the balance. And when he does, he's going to be the guy that I think everybody saw last year, which is not a number one defenseman by default, but a number one defenseman in this league. Hey, by the way, even though it's non-game night, Agnello and Sammy at Master Control – you set up, uh, set us up to take calls tonight, all right? Because I'd be more than happy to take them at 1-888-585-SICK. That's 1-888-585-7425. If I got to take calls, I'll take calls. All right, okay. I love taking it. That was so much fun last week. Well, you know what? It. Listen, we'll do it again. I have it no brought problem. me back in time. People we'll, don't. We'll, it, it was like younger generation. I don't know if people remember. I used to host post pre- and post-game shows. At the station we don't mention here. Oh, yeah, you did, eh? Yeah, I That's did. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you I did. might have even done it with you. Yeah, well, that At was... one point or another. You know what? It was, what? Fun. It was I for- fun. I forgot about that, to tell you, but now I'm obviously remembering. It was fun. Yeah, it was It was fun. It was fun. Uh, yeah, back when the radio was fun. You're right about that. All right, okay. Um, the first line. Suzuki and Caulfield. They started the season with Josh Anderson. Yeah. Went on for a couple of games. It didn't produce results in terms of productivity. They switched over to Raphael RV Pinard. And Raphael RV Pinard in three games, zero goals, zero assists, zero points on that first line. Personally, I never thought Raphael RV Pinard was a good idea to put on that line. It's my own personal opinion, Before by the way. And move I think, on on Harvey Pinard, he needs a bounce. Like he needs one good bounce. Yeah. Whether it goes off his shin or his yeah. back or whatever it is, he needs one good bounce to happen. Okay. Because he's getting chances. Yes. He's not burying them, and yeah. I think it's getting in his head a little bit, which yeah. is normal. When yeah. We talked about confidence. It takes yeah. time to, for it to strip away. It takes time to rebuild it. 
Yeah. He needs something good to happen to him. I, I didn't dislike his work on the top line. Um, but I love he, that you're saying that. He had to bury some of those chances, though. I love that you're saying that. So let me finish with this. I love the kid. I would take him on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday. I think he's all heart. Um, I think I see character traits like I saw in Brendan Gallagher, the smaller guy working hard, defying all odds, and maybe surprising a lot of people with a scoring touch and maybe being able to have a season where he scored more goals than people thought that he would. I don't know if he's ever going to get to Brendan Gallagher's 30-plus mark, and Gallagher did it a couple of times. If he will, and I hope so for him, he's going to end up cashing in like Brendan Gallagher did if he can do that a couple of seasons, okay? I didn't necessarily have a problem with the way he played with those guys. I thought he was in on the forecheck. I thought he battled hard. I think he came out of the corner with pucks. He went to the net. He crashed the net. But like you said, he didn't get a bounce and he didn't score. Okay. I never thought it was a good idea for him to play on the number one line, but I don't think he looked at a place on the number one line. My own personal opinion is that what Raphael RV Pinard did a year ago I think is going to be very difficult for him to replicate. I believe he played a little bit over his head. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he scores 30 goals one season or two in the National Hockey League. But now, they've tried Anderson. They tried Pinard. They went back to Anderson. I think Anderson's got a point in six games or whatever it is. It's not working out. We know that Suzuki and Caulfield could also put up more points. So now we have to find a right winger on this line that can make them be their best and that line player at their best. And I go through it, and I thought this going into the season, and I'll still think it today. Going into the season, I thought the guy that had the IQ that was similar to Suzuki's, and they can be on the same page and the same wavelength, was Sean Monaghan. I thought that then. I think it now. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off because of the injury to Doc before Dvorak comes back. But if they're not going to go to Monaghan before Dvorak comes back, I certainly hope they go to Monaghan as soon as Dvorak comes back. Right now, the question that I think most people will be asking themselves about this situation is, are we going to see another winger with those two guys? Or are we going to see them split up? Wow. Would you split them up? Not long term. And I don't know that I necessarily would. I could tell you one thing that I would try before doing it, though. Mm -hmm. Uri Slavkovsky. That's the guy that I would put on that line right now. Give that a chance. If it doesn't work tomorrow, if Saturday they just still don't have a solution, then you hit the road and there's an opportunity to split them up. I wouldn't do it at home. I don't think you need to do it at home. But I'm not discounting the possibility that tomorrow morning we head to the morning skate and those two guys are practicing on separate lines. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. But I'm not discounting it as a possibility because there's only two guys, in my opinion, that are going to get a look there. It's not going to be Monaghan. You're either going to put Slavkovsky there. Actually, I'm going to put three guys. Well, yo, hold on. People are going to hate this. I'm going to Before you get to the other guys, the first name that came out of your mouth was Yuri Slavkowski. Yes. I want to let you know, I only wish, I wish that we had a webcam, we had a camera right now in Grant McCagg's house in Ottawa, Ontario. Grant McCagg of recruits and recruits.ca and co-host 
of the Recruits Draftcast right here in the Sick Media family because he is the president of the Uri Slavkowski fan club. He's been asking to see Slavkowski play with Suzuki and Caulfield. And because the Canadians have said they don't want to, you know, put Slavkowski in a bad situation or put too much pressure on him, he's asked to at least see him on the first wave of the power play. You come out tonight. I say I'd like to see Monaghan with Suzuki and Caulfield. You say you'd like to see Slavkowski with Suzuki and Caulfield. Right now, Grant McCagg is the first guy to do the moonwalk since <laughs> Michael Jackson did it in Billie Jean. I don't think anybody, like, I don't think you lose anything trying it, okay? I'm not saying that Slavkovsky is the long-term solution on that line. I even agree with you that when Dvorak comes back, there's a really good chance we're going to see Monaghan there. I am saying there's a chance they'll be split up before we even get there. Um, I don't think that would be long-term if it happens. The two other guys that you have as options to try this with, if you're not going to go to Slavkovsky on Thursday, because I don't think you go with Anderson, um, the two other guys are... Yes, Yeah. And people are really going to hate this one. He, he mentioned Yolonen too. Yeah. But, but Yoel Arnia is the other one. And Mosito and now Eric. Yeah. Eric, uh, uh, I know people are going to hate it. I know you're going to hate it. We've gone from Josh Armia to, 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 to Yoel Armia. We've gone from Josh Anderson to Yoel Armia. Listen, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but yeah. I'm, I'm laying out what the possibilities are here. Uh, are here. And what they are are Slavkovsky, Ulanin, and Armia. Yeah. Now, I don't like the idea of taking Michael Pizzetta out of the lineup right now, the way he's playing. I, I really don't like that idea. And I can't see anybody else coming out for Armia. So that I, one's. I, I love what you know, Pizzetta's bringing. That one's the least likely yeah. of all the scenarios, but it's not impossible. Yeah, I know. So, but, you know, Yol Armia basically was a no show in training camp. To his credit, when he went down to Laval, he brought it. I just think the promotion would be a little bit too much too soon for a guy who has struggled with consistency the way he has. But I yeah, want to get back. It's not about like it's not about promotion. It's it's about sparking your two most op important offensive players, and he can play with them. Yeah. And no matter what you think about Armia, he can play with those guys. Whether or not he's going to, I think it's highly debatable. I think Slavkovsky has earned it. I think he's earned an opportunity to at least get a look there. And uh, you know what? I like the way he's playing. I, I When I look at the power play last night, the guy who was the most engaged on the power play and making things happen was Slavkovsky. I agree with Second you. On the puck, I think he's earned it. Yeah. I don't think it's a long-term thing unless he takes it and runs with it. But I oh. like the idea of him getting a look there. Oh, what do you man. have to lose? Man, but I, don't know, a, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I hear I don't you. Know if those guys are going to get split up. I don't know if Ulanen's going to get a shot because he's playing good hockey too, and he can yeah, he is. higher up in the lineup. But I would really like to see what it looks like with Slavkovsky. Oh, man, I, and I'd really love to have that camera in Grant McCag's home right now with you, Eric Engels of Sportsnet at Sportsnet.ca on this Wednesday, October. 25th on the sick podcast with Marinaro saying that you'd love to see Uri Slavkowski play with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. I'm telling you, Grant McCag right now at his home in Ottawa, Ontario, is doing the moonwalk. The first person to do the moonwalk since Michael Jackson and Billie Jean. 
I'm telling you, people always told me, be careful what you do. Don't go around breaking young girls' hearts. And mother always told me, be careful of who you love. Be careful of what you do, because the lie becomes the truth. Hey, hey, Billy Jean. What a great song, man. Even better video, by the way. Great bass line. I love that song. Michael Jackson came to the Olympic Stadium once upon a time, and I'm still heartbroken that I didn't go to that concert. Because everyone that was in elementary school with me that went, they were doing like the moonwalk every day for the next couple of years. It was unbelievable. I saw my first concert at the, uh, the Olympic Stadium. It was 1992. Uh, I don't know if it was my first concert that I watched at the Olympic Stadium, but I did watch you 2 the Joshua Tree, at the Olympic Stadium. I did. My first, my first concert was 1992, yeah. Olympic Stadium, Genesis. Oh, Genesis is, is pretty good. Yeah, you two, one of my favorite bands. Uh, Genesis, not too shabby. And I think you'd be shocked to know that Bon Jovi was also one of my favorite bands, right? And even though every song sounded the same, it didn't matter. He's, he's you know, he's an Italian from Jersey. You got to love him. Like him better than you two, that's for sure. You do, eh? Yeah, not a big U2 fan. Wow, I'm a little bit surprised to hear that. Okay. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Bono. Sorry, The Edge. Yeah, yeah. No, no, listen. Sorry to the other guys. It's, it's all a matter of opinion. Before we get to the phone calls, and we have two people waiting on oh, hold right now, we're right. going to get to them in a second. It better be a good question. Were they screened? Yes. They, they, were, screened them? they were screened. We okay. will get to the calls, but I do want to let you know that I want to revisit this whole thing of the first wave on the power play because up until a couple of days ago, Josh Anderson was on that first wave, and then Anderson came off, and the guy that went on was Tanner Pearson. All right. Oh, that was our fourth option. I forgot about Pearson. Yeah, okay. Let's. Well, he could we, get a look. He could my, get a look with those I, two guys. I know, but at this point, we're going to end up naming on yellow, too. I mean, one <laughs> name, two names, three names, four names. <laughs> we have to stop at one point. You know, we're going to end up naming okay, the Okay, but I don't want to – I didn't think about it. But yeah. Pearson actually could get a look with those guys. But I like Pearson. I know who I'd go with. It's not yeah. to do with what I want to see. Yeah. I would, I would give Slavkovsky a chance. I would yeah. give him a chance. I don't know if it's Thursday. But if, I would give them that chance. If, Columbus? Is it Columbus on Thursday? Before yeah, it is. Before yeah, Dvorak, before Dvorak comes back, I would play Columbus. I would play Slavkowski versus Columbus. I don't have a problem with that at all. But once Dvorak comes back, if that doesn't work, Monahan's my guy. Let's go to Jake in Manchester. Jake. You called. Presented by Playground. Presented by Playground. Jake, what's going on? Is Jake there? Is this Jake Evans pranking us? Uh, I would think that he's got other things to do on his off night. I would think. He's probably watching, though. Jake, what's going on? Huge Tony Marinaro. Hello, hello. Hey, what's going on, Jake? Hello, hello. Tony, you are a sick man. I love your show. I thank you very much for saying that. I take that as a compliment. Of course it is. And Eric, big fan of his as well. I'm uh, pumped to be on the sick podcast tonight. I, I have a few questions. Um, one, do you, did you see the tweet today uh, about perhaps maybe um, Garland being traded from Vancouver, maybe Montreal being involved? Do you think there could be a, a way to unload Gallagher's contract and take on Garland's? A, no. B, we talked about this a couple of days ago. I like Connor Garland. I know him pretty well because when I used to work with my boy Knuckles, I can tell you that Connor Garland is Chris Knuckles Nyland's godson. All right. So we yeah. talked about him. He's a good player. 
and he probably has 20 goals in him. But he would be adding another small player to a group that already has Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Alex Newhook. I just think it would be Brendan Gallagher. I just think it would be too many small players. Eric, you disagree with that or? I don't disagree, but I would say this. He's 27. He has two more years after this one at $4.9 million. You came up with an idea that's not out of whack in terms of trading a problem contract for a problem contract. I think the one going back the other way would be Yoel Armia if the Canadians were to get engaged with that. And I think they'd be looking for an asset in return, including Garland. And the big reason Vancouver wants to move him is to clear out some space and save at least a few hundred thousand dollars, um, which they might be able to do with Armia's situation, but they also would like to get a defenseman back. So I don't really know if they have what it takes to make it work. I know that Ken Hughes is pretty creative. I don't hate the idea of Garland coming here. I actually think he's a pretty good player and was a pretty good player before he landed in Vancouver. So yeah, he's also 27 years old. It's not like he's done. So Correct. I, that, you know, that's what I was thinking. And with Gallagher having a few goals already this season, uh-huh. maybe playing a, a little better than most of us. I don't think Gallagher would be going. Any, uh, you could forget about Gallagher going for Garland or Gallagher going anywhere at $6.25 million for however many years are left on that contract. It's it's not happening. Like, sure. No. sure. Okay. And uh, for Tony, um, I, I think we may have a mutual acquaintance in common there's there's a guy i'm a barber up here in new hampshire or yeah yeah in new hampshire um i cut sean coffee's hair he's, oh, he's sean coffee. yeah. hold on a second hold yeah. on a second hold on a second eric does that name ring yeah. a bell it really does actually yeah i don't right. i don't know why but it does oh so i'll tell you uh sean coffee is an nhl player agent who works for cortex management group as a matter of fact guess who he represents among others Kent Hughes' sons. Yeah. Yeah, and he also represents Will Smith, who was drafted fourth overall by the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, so why don't you do this, Jake? Uh, Give Sean Coffey a special hello for me and a big hug. Yeah, and maybe shave shave a TM into the back of his head for Tony Marinaro. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see what I can do. I'm cutting his hair uh, Thursday or Friday, I believe, so. Calling from New Hampshire, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Please say hello. It. Yeah, he yeah. lives there. Uh, Sean Coffey does. Uh, please say hello for me and tell him that he has an open invitation on the Sick Podcast anytime. Now here's the contingency. What if I want to show up on the Sick Podcast again? You know what? This Can is your show, my friend. This show does not belong to me, and it doesn't belong to Anello or Sammy. It or belongs me. to the fans of the Montreal Canadiens and the fans of the Sick Podcast. Because if there's no fans, there's no listeners, there's no viewers, there's no podcast, and no podcast, no money, no candy. So anytime you want to come back on the sick podcast, Jake, open invitation, my friend. This show is all yours. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. My regards to Sean. All right, okay. We have another one I've been told. See, Eric, what happens when you're on the sick podcast? We, 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 we extend the contacts that can probably come into our lives at one point. I'm putting out a tweet for people to call right now. <laughs> okay, Mark Andre in BC 
which is either British Columbia or in, or in the Bell Center. I'm going to go with British Columbia. What's going on, yeah, Mark? One in the Bell Center for sure. Uh, what's up, Tony? Hey, it's all good, man. How about you? Uh, well, one, thank you for the uh, sick merchandise from the last time when I finally got it, and I want to say thank you. I really appreciate that. You're very, yeah, you're very welcome. Did it take a while for you to get that? Yeah, I did. Fucking sorry, my language Canada. No, no. You know how they are. They're yeah, no, no. On time. Yeah, you know why it took long, right? Because then yellow's cheap, and he didn't want to send it express. <laughs> Look, dude, you gave me free merchandise enough. Like that's more i can't thank you enough for what you did anyways yeah uh, yeah and, all right you thanked them enough seriously you thanked yeah, them yeah. Too, you, 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 tonight yeah you know those mail bins there where you just go and you drop your letters inside and yellow took your shirts put the address on top of the shirt and threw them in there that's why it took so long <laughs> it's okay tell me mark andre uh, what's on your mind my man well you know what i, I was happy that eric mentioned stuff yeah. earlier Okay. Here's my question to you guys now. No, hold on a second, if I can. I want you to have this conversation with Eric, and I want to sit back and listen to it, all right? You and Eric, I'll just sit back. Go ahead. Ask Eric. Eric, bonjour. Nice to make your acquaintance finally. Bonjour. Get with the question. Let's go. I want to hear it. You're you're keeping me on the edge of my seat. I'm nervous here. No, no worries. Uh, Look, we drafted Slipkowski because he was big, yet skill, yet potential. And he did it full display in the Olympics and in the World Cup. Uh-huh. At what point in time as an organization are we going to say we're not going to put him on the top line? We're not going to put him with the guys that we kind of expected him to be playing with because he's big, physical, he's going to have the potential, he's a power forward. Full uh-huh. Caulfield is small. Nick Suzuki is mid-sized. Nick Suzuki's smart with the puck and how he plays. Cole kind of has to use his speed to his advantage. What point are we just going to say, screw it, let these three play together and let the growing pain start now and move on from there? It's a totally fair question because, uh, you know, if you want to see Slapkowski become the player you expect to see him become, you obviously want him to play with that type of talent. Um, But one of the things that Marty St. Louis likes to say, and I totally believe in this, is... You cannot skip steps in the process if you want the end result to be what you want it to be. And he's right. You know, they have gradually brought Slavkovsky along. Don't forget, he played 39 games last year in his rookie season before suffering an injury. Um, You know, this time around, we're six games into the season. He's taken major steps forward from where he was when we last saw him you know, with a knee injury last year at the end of the year, at the end of his season, like they don't want to skip steps. Now, when I say that he's earned an opportunity to get a look on that line, I don't expect him to be a permanent fixture there at this point. And I think that would be heaping a bit more pressure on him than the Canadians would necessarily want to put on him before he continues to take the steps necessary to become a permanent fixture there. But I do think that there's nothing wrong with giving it a look and, and particularly right now at this time, because the way Slavkovsky has played, this wouldn't be putting him in a position where it's like he looked like he'd be out of his depth. There's a lot of confidence building up in his game right now, and this could push it over the edge. And I don't think a one or two game sample where, for whatever reason, the puck didn't end up in the back of the net 
that would knock the confidence away from him. So this could be an opportune moment. Whether or not the Canadians decide to seize it, we'll see. But it's a good question. And I don't think you'll have to wait too much longer if they continue to take the right steps with this. I absolutely agree 100% with you because, what, Slikowski has, what, one point so far in the season? Yeah, I don't even care about the points. Like, if you watch the way he's playing, he is putting himself in the right spots on most of his shifts. Yeah. And uh, I just see I, there's so much progress in his game right now, and I think the points are going to come. I, I really do. I saw a stat last night. I think he's actually averaging close to about four minutes more per game than he did at the same time last season, which is which is very encouraging, obviously. Marc-Andre, thanks for calling, my man. You call again anytime. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Eric. All right, there you have it. Mark Andre in BC. You can give me a call at 1 888 585 7425. It's 1 585 SICK. AJ is in Edmonton. When I tell you there are Montreal Canadiens fans all over the world New Hampshire, British Columbia, Alberta, just to name a few, going by the last three callers or so. AJ, what's going on? Well, Tony, there's lots of hot fans out this way. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a very uh, underestimated. Love the show, by the way. Yeah. It's almost perfect. And I know you're going to make it perfect because all you. you do is just get better every day. I'm going to try my best. I promise fan. you that. I'm going to try my best. I promise you that. Thank you for that. Tell me, AJ, what's on your mind? Uh, just wondering what you're on your opinion. When Montreal chose Ryan Docker, and I know this, this is a team that can win. I can win a championship down the road because there can be additions and subtractions. But in your opinion, do you think they kind of made a statement instead of choosing Mitchkov or Benson or another forward and saying, and this question is for you and Eric too, by the way, who moved mm-hmm. fan of, uh, did they kind of say, you know what, we're going to win St. Louis style instead of maybe the high flying Chicago style or, you know, an offensive team style. Did they kind of say we're going to be that hard team to play against with the tough, big defense like what we had? Yeah. That's with a few years back. Did they kind of just kind of put that in stone and as hard as it is to accept maybe because everybody likes goals and whatnot, but is that kind of the direction they're going in? All right, Eric, I'd like to tackle this one and then relay it off to you. I think the Canadians took a look at the draft like Benson's talent, and said, here's a talented forward. We won't be getting the best forward in the draft if we take him, nor do we think we'll get the second, the third, or the fourth best forward in the draft. And he's on the small side. And we have a little bit of that already. Then I think they took a look at the Michkov situation and said, here's a guy with a lot of skill, but he's got three years left in the KHL. He might actually extend after that. Plus, we're hearing there's some attitude issues. Or there's this David Reinbacher, who seems to be a safe pick, a reliable pick, had a great year the year before. Very encouraging to see the way he played in a very competitive league as a 17-year-old. And if we take him, he's the guy that we believe is the best defenseman in the draft class. And that's how I think they made their choice. Eric? Hmm. How do I answer this? Do you like Jack Eichel? 
Yes or no questions coming at you here. Do you like Jack Eichel? Do you like Chandler Stevenson? Do you like Jonathan Marcheseau? Yeah. Do you like William Carlson? More Eichel than anyone. Do you like Mark Stone? Yeah. Yeah. Vegas Golden Knights don't win the Stanley Cup without those guys, but you know who else they don't win the Stanley Cup without? Alex Petrangelo. And all the towers and painful players to play against they had on their blue line. You need it all. Um, the Canadians didn't make their decision in a vacuum in terms of how they're going to build the championship team with one pick um, and try to make a statement about, you know, it's going to be one through defense. They, like Tony said, assessed who's the best player they're going to get here at this, at this position and what kind of player is truly indispensable at that position. And they chose the big right-handed defenseman who, looks like he's going to be a really, really strong player as he moves forward in his career. And yes, they need elite talent up front. They need elite talent on the blue line as well. And they need it in nets because if you want to win a Stanley Cup, you need all of it. Um, but you definitely don't win without having it on your blue line. And the blue line that they've built out, they're ahead of the game. And now they're going to shift their focus and try to acquire what they're going to need up front. Um, whether it be through the draft and another high pick potentially coming this summer or the picks that they've stockpiled in 2025 along with the yeah. prospects that are building up to potentially move out the door to get that type of elite talent up front. Because I've said on Tony's shows a few times now, the minute this whole thing is going to turn, and especially now that Ryan Backer's in the fold, and if you add Logan Mayu and you add Lane Hudson, mm -hmm. some of the other key defensive prospects, is when they have another guy who can put the puck nearly on the same level as Caulfield, like that, that could score on that level. Not necessarily yeah. at the same level, but nearly. That's when this whole thing is going to turn. And now, I AJ, think they have the assets to do it. Yeah, I want to add yeah. this, AJ. I'm not so sure, having said everything that I just said, that Ryan Backer is their pick if he's a left-handed defenseman instead of a right-handed defenseman. Yeah, that would have made it tough. But I'm also going to say yeah, this, and, I, and I'm also going to say this, and I've said this before, so I'm not going to shy away from it now. I would have loved to have seen them draft Michkov. I'm not going to lie to you, but you have to understand where I'm coming from, okay? I've been inspired by offensive players my entire life, right? So, you know, my favorite hockey player of all time was the late Guy Lafleur, and even though Wayne Gretzky was a better player than Guy was, and even though Mario Lemieux was a better player than Guy was, and there were others. For me, Guy Lafleur is the greatest player of all time, if that makes any sense to you whatsoever, right? Because I grew up in Montreal, a Montreal Canadiens fan, and Lafleur, and I even saw him on the decline, but when he picked up the puck, I got excited, my friend, okay? You know what? You know what? Yeah? Sorry. Go, go ahead, Tony. Sorry. No, after Lafleur, I love Naslin, and after Naslin, I love Richet. And, you know, after Richet, the next guy that I probably fell in love with maybe would have been, you know, maybe Kovalev more so than the others. And and now Caulfield's coming in, and he's scoring goals, and, and I like watching him score goals too. So I like offense. Yeah, like, I, I like attack. I, I, I see what Captain I, 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 I see what Captain I, I, uh, I just uh, Yeah. I, I just want to. I want to. I just want to be like uh, maybe just a little more clear in my question. And you've answered yeah. it great so far. No, we got. I got your question. I know. I understood what you said. I understood what you said. You, like, uh, were Were they trying to make uh, it clear uh, that they like, believe that a championship like team is going to go through defense? Right. 
a team like Edmonton that walks into the playoffs and keeps getting it handed to them just yeah. because they meet good defensive teams and good defensive structures and they can't get past them. Maybe there is a method to the madness of, you know what, you really do need that big, strong, elite defense in order to go far. And I, and I mean, there's lots of comparisons either way, but I mean, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle alone are 300-point guys almost, right? Like, it's a, it's a maybe good point. There is some logic to it. It's a yeah. good point. I think, you know, style of play has something to do with it, too, and that's why you're seeing Edmonton trying to make a shift right now, which they're struggling with in terms of the way they play defense. Um, it's going to take time to take hold there. One thing that was kind of ringing through my my head as Tony was talking about loving offensive players and, and having that, like, how did Vegas end up with Alex Petrangelo? Because that profile of player like never moves, ever. When you have a big, strong, right-handed, two-way defenseman like him, they're impossible to get. Like Mark Bergman always used to say, you can't trade for a center. Well, a lot more centers have moved in the league in the time that, like, one Alex Petrangelo has moved. And a lot more Michkovs have moved around the league, too. It's true. So I think, in the end, you know, the Canadians went with the player they think was the best one available to them at five. They got another defenseman later on in the draft that's looking like he's going to be a really good player out of Russia too. Uh, it's, yeah. it's it's a whole interesting thing, but I think that desperate need for elite talent up front will be fulfilled in the next couple of years. Yeah. I think they and, will. and AJ, I'll end with this. Everything I just said about Michkov, it's pretty easy to say when I say it here out of my basement in beautiful Villa Sal. And I'm not in that war room with all the other scouts, and my job isn't on the line. It's easier to say it from here than it would be to say it from there, given what we know about Michkov's situation compared to Ryan Backers. Uh, it's easy to say from where I'm sitting. Thanks so much, AJ. Hey, by the way, yeah. I, thought, I thought you were on fire tonight, bud. Look. Look at the smoke. Look at the smoke. Look. Look, who's better than you, Tony? Come on. <laughs> to answer your question. Who's better than you? Nobody. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. All right. I love that. Say who's better than you. Thank you, AJ. AJ's almost talking like me now. That's pretty amazing. Eric, they say, that, they say that time flies when you're having fun. Oh, yeah. We uh, hit an hour. An hour and uh, three minutes. There we, you go. We did. Now, I, I'm going to get to one more call. Would you like to stick around for one more? I would love to. Ah, thank you. Well, I'd love to have you. Let's go to Raphael in Montreal, and I'm wondering. Is it Raphael Harvey Pinard? No, I'm wondering. There's another Raphael that marked Montreal Canadiens history. Oh, yeah. Remember who that the is? shot on Theodore? Yeah. The guy who jumped over the boards at the Verdun Auditorium and took a shot on Jose Theodore. <laughs> Raphael, Raphael, is that you? Was it Verdun? Yeah, Wasn't Bill St. Pierre? Was it Bill St. Pierre? Yeah, it was I don't probably know. Yeah, it was either Ville St. Pierre or Verdun. I don't remember. I'm going to go with Verdun, but it was probably Ville St. Pierre. Raphael, c'est toi? Yes, exactly. C'est moi. T'es pas sérieux, toi? Je peux poser ma question en français ou. Un instant. Es-tu sérieux? Est-ce que c'était vraiment toi? Ouais, c'est vraiment moi. Non, non, mais est-ce que c'est toi qui as sauté la bande pour aller en échapper contre José Théodore dans le temps? Non, 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 c'est pas vrai. Non, ok, c'est pas sérieux. Il s'entend trop jeune, ce gars-là. Non, 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 c'est ça. J'ai juste 23 ans. Je n'ai pas 56 ans. 
Raphaël, bienvenue au podcast Malade. Je suis Marinaro. Et oui, tu peux poser ta question en français avec énormément plaisir. Because what I'm going to do, when all is said and done, I'm going to translate for the benefit of those who are watching, who only speak English, who are more comfortable in English. But I'm not going to deprive you of a question or participating on the SICK podcast because this podcast is open to Montreal Canadiens fans around the world. Puis si la question va être en français, ça va être en français. If the question is going to be in English, it's going to be in English. Si la tua domanda è in italiana, in italiano parliamo italiano. Hable espanol, parle portugais. Let's go. Vas-y. So um, I just want to... Um know what do you think about uh nick suzuki uh as his debut in uh the season i'm i can i'm gonna ask it in english actually yeah. i thought you were gonna ask it in french what happened i mean i i, I speak both uh both languages you know okay let's well, hear it in french. hold on a second if you're gonna make the effort to speak in your second language we're gonna make the effort to answer In our second language. Eric, Eric vas-y, vas-y, Eric. Eric, vas-y. Qu'est-ce que tu penses, euh, Eric, du début de saison de Nick Suzuki à date? Je pense que Nick peut être meilleur, mais Nick, lui aussi, va te dire qu'il peut être meilleur, puis il va être meilleur. Puis je pense, comme je disais avant avec Tony, que c'est une question de confiance. Même les joueurs qui sont les plus incroyables joueurs au monde, ils ont des problèmes de confiance de temps en temps. Puis l'affaire avec la confiance, c'est que ça s'abattit euh, ça prend du temps pour s'abattir, puis ça prend du temps aussi pour défendre un petit peu. Puis on va le voir monter graduellement. Puis quand ça se passe pour Nick, tu vas voir le Nick Suzuki que tout le monde a les, les, les grandes attentes pour lui. Lui, lui-même, il y a beaucoup, il y a, il y a, il y a des très, des attentes très élevées pour lui-même. Je, je, suis, je suis certain en connaissant Nick qui va les atteindre. Raphaël, je pense qu'il faut regarder tout le contexte. Puis on regarde tout le contexte, d'accord? Il joue pour une équipe qui est en reconstruction. La perte de Kirby Doc a fait énormément de mal parce que tu n'as pas un deuxième joueur de centre en arrière de toi qui va t'aider dans des matchs où est-ce qu'il va avoir des grosses responsabilités ou est-ce que l'autre équipe à beaucoup de profondeur au poste de centre. Il se cherche un allié droit sur ce trio-là. Il n'y en a aucun qui a fonctionné après cette match. Tu n'as pas seulement perdu Doc, tu as perdu deux joueurs à la ligne bleue, David Savard et Caden Gooley. Tu n'as pas de gardien but numéro un. Tu es encore en reconstruction, comme je t'avais dit. Puis là, hier soir, ils ont joué contre une grosse équipe, une grosse machine, leur troisième match en quatre soirs avec des voyages contre une équipe qui n'avait pas joué depuis vendredi. Donc, dans le contexte actuel, il n'y a rien d'alarmant. C'est un peu normal. Comme Eric a dit, sa confiance n'est pas très haut en ce moment, mais c'est un joueur avec une belle vision, avec une belle habilité, avec un beau talent. Il l'a déjà prouvé, puis il va être meilleur parce qu'il est bon. C'est juste qu'il ne joue pas bon en ce moment. Ça n'enlève pas le fait qu'il est bon, puis c'est un bon joueur. Qu'est-ce que tu en penses, toi? So we're just saying, Raphael asked us about Nick Suzuki. 
Eric talked about the fact that there's his confidence has dipped over the last little while. You know, it takes a, sometimes with a you know a couple of performances where you don't produce, your confidence dips, and when you do produce, your confidence goes higher. Eric basically said in the nutshell, he's a very good player. He knows he has to play better, and he will end up playing better. He's a good player. I said, let's take a look at the big picture. They're a rebuilding team. He doesn't have a right winger on his line that's producing right now. The loss of Kirby Dock has really hurt, especially when they go up against teams that are deep at the center ice position. To boot, David Savard and Caden Gooley are hurt. They spend a lot of time with the puck in their zone because of it. They don't have a number one goalie on their team. They're not a great team. And, you know, you know they lost last night, three games and four nights travel included versus a better team. But Suzuki will bounce back because Suzuki's a very good player. He showed us before, and he's going to show us again. I'll tell you, Tony, and, uh, Tony you know, I, would have been, I would have been better off answering in French if Chantal was around to feed a word to me when I was searching for one. Uh, you know what, Eric? You're good at it. I'm going to tell you something from experience. And I've said this story before. When I announced to my family and friends that I was going to be going full-time with the SIG podcast, and on a part-time basis, I would be a collaborator on French radio and French television, a member of my family said, it's not going to work out. And I said, why? And they said, because your French isn't good enough. And I said, I know my French isn't great. And they said, Now, the people are not going to let this one go because they'll just pick you apart because your French is not good enough and you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Is all your family from Quebec? And I said, I could be wrong, but my opinion is, is that the Francophone in Quebec just wants the effort. And they'll appreciate the effort so much that they will let go, they will let go those errors and masculine, feminine, and all that stuff. And you know what? They have. They love the fact that I try my best to parler en français. And Eric, I would say that everyone that is watching right now that is a francophone so appreciated your effort, even though a word or two probably wasn't the best word to use in that yeah. moment. Listen, they they appreciate our effort. I can't say the same for our friend PJ Stock. That poor guy, he's just he has a hard time with it, and I guarantee they're all over him. I love PJ. He's one of my favorites, yeah. and I love watching him in French and watching yeah. him try his hardest to get it out. But no, all joking aside, yeah. I was making a joke. I I totally agree with you, and I did French radio for the last couple of years, and I the people appreciate the effort. And look, yeah. I consider myself a very proud Quebecois, and so do you, and I, we've yeah. I've lived there my whole life. And for anybody to not expect that we should be able to speak French and speak it well enough for people to understand us, you know, that that's to me the bare minimum of, you know, member of this society. So that's funny that you said that, because that's another thing that I said that I actually didn't repeat. And I'm going to tell you right now, I said, do you know, PJ Stock? I said, if PJ Stock can make a living talking in French, so could Tony Marinelli. We, we got to get PJ on so that we, he could defend himself. But honestly, yeah, you, you know what? We're going to have to get through one of his. Just don't, just don't make him do it in French. All right. We're going to have to get through one of his four agents first to do so. Yeah. Hey, Raphael, merci beaucoup d'avoir pris le temps pour nous téléphoner ce soir au podcast Malade. C'est très apprécié. Eric, all right, okay, we lost Raphael. It looks like. Eric, you went overtime again for a second week in a row. Eric, I'm going to tell you something you already know. 
You're a very, very big part of this podcast. Thanks so much for your time again. I appreciate it, bud. The sick time. Had a great time. All right. There you have it. Eric Engels, a Sportsnet. It's Thanks, Daniello. There you have Thanks. it. All right. Okay. Uh, thanks so much once again to Eric. And uh, I want to thank all of our uh, all of our partners, of course. I want to thank Energy Transportation Group. I want to thank Playground. And I want to thank La Bit at TB. And for all of you watching, we're trying to get this podcast to another level. And I made a promise tonight to someone that called in that we were going to try and take it to another level. Slowly but surely, I think we're going to get better every day. When I started off in radio, I knew that at one point I was going to take the show to the top and I was going to do the unthinkable. When I started off with this podcast, I knew that one day I was going to take the podcast to the top and do the unthinkable. And we're going to get there. And we're not going to stop until we do. And once we get there, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep going. Thank you all. If you liked it, like it, share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. What a fantastic day today was for me in one respect from a hockey perspective. And in about a month or so from now, I'm going to tell you why. So just remember this date. It was an interesting day for me on this Wednesday, October 25th. You'll find out a little bit more in the next three, four weeks or so. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, they're Cavallaro. Me. Who am I? I'll tell you who I am. I'm Tony Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.